Hello, beautiful, and again, happy new year and happy decade. I'm your host, Samantha Roberto, and I want to thank you for joining the conversation. We are a space of women empowering women, and each week we feature a new guest and dive into her authentic and vulnerable story because we believe it's important to have these conversations so that we can all learn and grow from one another. So don't forget, subscribe to this channel for your weekly dose of inspiration. Today is part two of a conversation I had with such an inspiring woman and beautiful soul. So if you're new to the podcast and tuning in for the first time, first off, welcome. I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad that you found this platform, but I'm going to ask you to pause and then go back to last week's episode to start there and then come back and listen to this episode because Pramagaya's story is honestly so inspiring. You'll be completely blown away. As a recap, Prema was living life in the fast lane, working worldwide as a model in a world of Gucci and glamour before she renunciated everything and started her spiritual path. And in this week's episode, she's going to share just what that incredible journey taught her and how those lessons can apply to all of us as we navigate through this thing called life. So it's time to get cozy and comfortable and let's get to it. So you gave, you renounced all your stuff. You gave everything away. Your, your name, Pramagaya. Yeah. Is that, has that always been your name or is that something <laughs> you? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. After the 500 kilometer walking pilgrimage, I ended up landing in Mexico and I met a shaman there and it was amazing. She took me in to her land and she, she really trained me and took care of me. And it was really uh, one of those divinely aligned meetups for sure. I met with her and eventually she got this intuition to tell me about these caves in the foothills of the of the mountains in New Mexico. There's a there's a monk there that had dug some caves into the foothills of the mountains and people could go there and do meditation. And so I ended up going back there, staying at that place and doing some self-directed meditation in those caves and eventually so there is many steps that led me to taking on a new name. When I was at that at that cave hermitage retreat center in New Mexico, I watched these videos about Ama, great spiritual teacher named Ama, who's hugged about 30 plus million people in the world. And it was interesting, but like when I watched those videos, tears were just streaming straight from my soul. It was like they I wasn't even there was no cognitive process. It was just like watching it. Tears were just streaming straight from my soul and just gushing, gushing, gushing. And it was just, I needed to meet her. Mm. I ended up going and meeting with Ama and, and going on her whole, she has this North America wide tour where she goes and, hugs and gives these, she hugs people all across North America. So I ended up going on that whole North American tour. I still wasn't using money. I was wow. still moneyless. So you were yeah, following Ama around. Yeah. And I was moneyless. Yeah. So I just always found ways to, you know, food just always ended up showing up or like, you know, at the ama thing, people would just take like one bite of the Indian food and decide they didn't like it. And then they would leave it. And I was working on my seva was my service was I was working on kitchen cleanup. So I always just ended up getting fed and I would sleep outside. Like I would sleep on like lounge chairs at, on hotel pool deck. So that I could just follow Ama. By that point, I had I had acquired a sleeping bag, <laughs> and so I would find places to sleep. 
And I was always guided to somewhere to sleep. <laughs> mm. And so, but it was definitely not, you know, it's not, the, it's not a sustainable lifestyle. But so I was interested in, in, in changing my name and changing my name into something that was more aligned with my soul and with my true intention of being here on this planet. So I knew that I wanted a spiritual name and I was on tour with Ama at the time. And I went up and I asked her monks, because they speak um, her language and English, I asked if she would give me a name, but she didn't give me a name. So I knew if I wanted a spiritual name, it was going to be for me to tune in and listen in to my own guidance and to find one myself. After I finished being on tour with Ama, I went to India for a couple of months. And by that point, I had started, started using money again. And there was this incredible synchronicity where I really knew that I was meant to go to India and it was such an important part of my path. And I didn't know how it was all going to work, but I came up with the exact dollar amount of how much it would cost for me to go there for two months. And, you know, living in India is quite, it's quite inexpensive. And I, I calculated the entire amount, had that amount in mind. And then at one point I had a conversation with my mom and I was like, feeling so called to go to India and this is the exact amount that I need she was like, funny that you mentioned that amount because that is exactly how much I put away for you in a re retirement account. Would you like it now or when you retire? <laughs> okay, if that's not alignment, I don't know what it is. Like, wow. So I was Chill. like, yeah, I'd like it now. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, universe. <laughs> yeah, so wow. I went to India for two months. When I came back, my guidance was that I was meant to go to Taos, New Mexico, and I didn't know anyone in Taos. But I just had this really strong feeling. And I landed, I landed back in California at a spiritual retreat center. And there was a guy there that was driving to Taos. And he was like, I'm driving to Taos and I can give you a ride. He's like, do you know anyone there? And I said to him, I was like, I said, I don't know anyone there yet. But I know that my friends are waiting for me there. Mm. And so I did. I landed in Taos and it ended up being you know, the most exquisite, expansive, important, beautiful, like five years of my life. Taos was home base for about four to five years. Everything just rolled out for me when I, when I got there, like an amazing, like house sit and a beautiful place and all the things lined up. And I was out in the back land there by my house and walking one day and it dawned on me that the exact date that I had arrived in Taos was exactly one year after I had set off on my walking pilgrimage. And I was contemplating about this, like, you know, this Native American indigenous walk notion of a walkabout. And that's where a person leaves their, their community, their tribe, and all their resources and all their support. And they go on a walkabout, kind of out and about in the desert or just all around, just on a, on a search, like on a vision quest. And it's a year long. It's a traditional indigenous um, rite of passage. And I realized that to the day, the day that I landed in Taos, which ended up being home for four years after that, four or five years, was exactly a year after I had left my house with no clue where I was going. Wow. And it was incredible. <laughs> When you, for you to be guided, is it a voice? Is it a vision? Is it a, what does that look like for you? Like what to guide you so divinely and where you were meant to go? How do you connect? Yeah, I have a different way of navigating, you know, cause I've done so, so many silent retreats, you know, I've done years and years of silent retreats, including solo retreats, you know, out in the forest and things like that. I just developed a different way of listening to my guidance than 
or just working with my guidance, my soul than, than most people. And it's interesting, but like I have this way of listening and I basically spend like, I would say I spend at least three to four hours each day listening to my guidance. I, I invest a ton of my time into listening to my guidance every single day because that's just how I live. And so the way that I do it is I just like in the fir- first two hours of the day, I just go into stillness and I might do some movement or yoga or dance, but I just don't in- interface with electronics for two hours and just listen, just give myself space to listen, listen, listen. And then I write notes or I write a journal. And then later on, I'll go for a walk in nature by myself for like an hour, an hour and a half. And I just listen, listen, listen. What's my intuition? What am I, what's being asked of me? What am I being shown? Um, What's being requested of me? And it takes a lot of courage in a way, because sometimes I get these intuitions to do things or have conversations with people or bring people together or weave things or, you know, introduce people or to tell someone something that might not be easy to tell. Mm-hmm. But more and more, you know, my guidance is to just follow these intuitions. And I've seen them have such accuracy so many times that at this point, I just have to keep following them and, and, uh, and listening to them. And, and um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really, it's been a really big practice. And like I said, it takes courage because there's always that niggling voice of like, Oh, maybe your intuition is off, but I've just seen it happen so many times that it's been so bang on and it's actually really changed people's lives and including my own and other people's that I just, I, I, I muster up more and more courage to just follow it at this point. You know? So beautiful. I mean, it's such an ex- a beautiful example of living your life. You're really one of the most aligned people I've ever met in my life. Thank you, love. I wanted to circle back around how my name came to me. Yes. Okay. Continue. So I landed in Taos and eventually I started living in an ashram there. Eventually, basically, my guidance was, I had really, really strong guidance. And even when I was in India, I had really, really strong guidance because I had been studying the lives of saints and sages and mystics. You'll notice, I would say almost every single one has one thing in common, and that is that they've all taken time to remove themselves and to go into solitude and complete silence and solitude and and stillness and go deep within themselves for an extended period of time, not, not interacting with anyone else, just really going into hermitage or deep retreat for extended periods. And they've found a way to find their own unique connection with the divine through that, uh, through that practice. And I call it like the Gnostic Gnostic wisdom channel where they can receive guidance, receive guidance and have communion and communication with, with, with their soul and with source again, like without any intermediary of a church or a mosque or a priest or, um, a monk or a nun or anything like that. So I felt so strongly, I was like, this is my destiny in this lifetime to reconnect to my own wisdom channel and to reconnect to to source and to reconnect without an intermediary as a mystic directly to source and to, to my soul. And, you know, if I'll do one thing in this lifetime, you know, that's the one thing, that's the one thing that I'm so dedicated to doing. And then being of service to other people, how to reconnect to the wisdom and the grace and the benevolent guidance of their own souls as well. So, because it's our birthright, every single one of us, you know, and going back to when I was in India, I knew that I wanted to do long retreat, either in a cave or in the mountains or somewhere. So I ended up uh, exploring the possibility of doing retreats in the Himalayas 
and I went and met with an incredible woman, a famous woman named Tenzin Palmo, who did about 12 years of solo retreat in a cave in the snow in the high Himalayas. She's a British woman, and she's amazing. She's a well-known teacher. So I went and had a private uh, meeting with her over tea and told her about my passion for doing a deep solo retreat to really reconnect to my own wisdom. And she was amazing. And she sent me to a couple of potential places I could do cave retreat in the Himalayas. But what it was, was like one of the places she sent me to, um, I was on the side of a mountain and there was a valley, big valley. And then on the other side of the mountain, there's this town, this cute, adorable Himalayan town, just like full of activity and hustle and bustle. And it was like, I could see the whole town from my cave. And I was like, that's not what I, I know it's amazing that it's the Himalayas and everything, but I was like, this is not, I want solitude, you know? I want to be completely away from any distraction, any human frequency, any consciousness. I just want to be in my own frequency and understand who I am when I'm apart from any, any other distraction. So she said to me, she was like, I know that it seems like really special and maybe even, maybe even glamorous or special or unique or important that you might want to have your retreat in the Himalayas. But she was like, you know what? I would advise you to go find a place either in the U S or Canada, like in one of the wilderness areas in the deep forest. And you can attain the same results anywhere you are on the planet. You don't have to be in the Himalayas. You really don't. You can just, there's so much open wilderness areas in, in North America that we can go and have that same experience. If that's something your soul is guiding you to, then go go into the wilderness areas back, back in North America and do it there. Uh, I ended up just really investing all my time when I was, you know, when I wasn't working at the ashram. Every chance I got, I would hitchhike out into, into the wilderness and sleep under the stars and be out with the wild animals. And just, yeah, I just would stay out in nature by myself in the forest by myself for as long as I could and meditate and pray and commune with the animals and with the stars and with spirit. So eventually um, I ended up doing a a 20 day solo retreat in a mud hut. My friend had built a beautiful mud hut in New Mexico and I did a solo 20 day retreat in the mud hut. And that was during that time that I said to myself, by the end of this retreat, I'm going to, I'm going to have my spiritual name. And when I came out of that 20 day retreat, uh, that was when I took the name Prema. Mm. And did it come to you as you knew, like on the 20th day or did it come to you before or how did it? No, I actually had an intuition that I had an intuition that that was the name that I wanted to take because Prema means pure divine love devoid of ego. And that is, I just feel like it's such a beautiful mantra and affirmation frequency or consciousness to, to, you know, to anchor myself to that intention of just being an embodiment of pure divine love devoid of ego. It's like, it's a lifetime aspiration. And I mean, it's a great grand aspiration. So I, I love, I love the name. And I feel like each of these Sanskrit words have these like beige, like these beige syllables, like they're these sacred, like syllables and sacred frequencies that that, you know, in, in Vedic tradition, they believe that those syllables, like they have a reverberation that yeah. is like just heal, healing in and of itself. So, so that's the name, the name that I chose to take. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. What a story. Prema, it's like complete surrender to, to life and complete unattachment to, to everything. For where are you, where you are now? I'm look, I'm seeing you and you're, you're in home. You have your place, your home there. Yeah. How did you go from an attachment to? There was a turning point moment where I chose to, well, I, I shaved my head during that whole time and I chose to be celibate for, 
for about four years. And there was a turning point moment where my guidance started coming in really clearly that it was time to start reintegrating back. And it was like unmistakable guidance. Like it's time to start integrating back into the world and the time is now. And that was like, I had basically made a, made a prayer like in front of my altar um, in the hermitage that I was in. I made a prayer like I surrender my life. I'll continue. I'll be a monastic if I'm meant to get ordained. Please guide me. I can keep shaving my head for the rest of my life if that's my path. And I'll continue being celibate if that's my path. Just let me know if that's my path. So then I just kept getting all these signs and synchronicities that I was meant to come back into, um, into the world. And so that has been an incredible journey of, from being that far off the grid and out of, you know, out of society. Again, I didn't have a bank account. I wasn't using money. I'd cut up my ID. I was living off the grid. I was, as I was integrating back into the world, I was bartering everything. It was a long journey to go from not touching money from seven and a half months to being an entrepreneur and to owning that. Mm. Such a journey, you know? And one of the most humbling things that I discovered along the journey, because um, I ended up doing a year and a half of healing school, going to a, a healing art school for a year and a half. Okay. And the most humbling thing of this whole journey was that a person can be on such a spiritual path and have such a beautiful and true connection with the divine. And if they haven't looked at their, you know, their shadow material, their unconscious patterns, their old survival strategies, their unconscious programming, and um, yeah, blind spots that you can just keep spinning in circles for the rest of your life, even if you are really spiritual mm. and you can not really develop the capacity to be a, a force for good in a way that really impacts a lot of people. So it's like that deeper shadow work and the processing the emotions, the processing the grief, the rage, the deep sadness, the existential angst of like the pain of being on earth, like in such a dynamic time with so much suffering and confusion and, and the anger and all the things. So mm. I really, you know, even though I, I have had a exquisitely blessed connection with the divine for so many years, there was that piece of like the unprocessed trauma, the unresolved trauma and the unexamined like blind spots and unconscious patterns and, and limiting beliefs. And so all of that, all that required work for me to ever really be a successful, healthy, integrated leader. You speak about the shadow work and that part yeah. of it. Did that come through the healing school or where did that come where you were able to dig into that aspect of the healing journey? That's a great question. Well, I had so much like sort of like pent up like pain and trauma inside of me that what ends up happening in my experiences, we develop like that we kind of like really furl, we kind of like end up like really having this firm, firm grip on like not letting anyone touch that and not letting it be touched or not let there's a part of us that really doesn't want that to be touched or to be looked at or examined or integrated because we're terrified. Because the last time that any that those parts of us saw the light of day was it was in a place a time and place where it wasn't safe these shadow parts these parts that haven't seen the light of day since we were a small child they're like frozen in time terrified parts of us that basically froze when we were like or you could say they froze or they fragmented or split split off when we were like 2 or 6 or 8 or whatever and so they're really really 
fucking scared to be seen and to be touched. So there's this really strong defense patterns in place that are trying to protect us so that those parts are never seen or touched. So basically my, um, I hadn't done that deeper inner work for years up until just really, really when I started going to my healing school. And also I started getting some amazing mentors that I felt safe enough with that I could finally let the, the, the terrified little girl with like tears and like snot streaming down her face, who's just terrified that she has a core unworthiness and that she's never going to be good enough and letting her come out in her wholeness in her, in her terror and her tears and be witnessed by like dozens of other people in a safe, sacred container so that she could finally like catch her breath and, you know, basically come home into wholeness with the rest of me. So that was really quite a powerful journey. And I really credit my healing school for how, you know, for how well I'm doing today at this point, because if I hadn't done that shadow work and if I hadn't welcomed home all those different unloved, unexamined um, parts of myself that had been cast off, you know, I wouldn't be able to show up in my, in my leadership in congruence and, you know, in an integrated way, like all those parts need to come home. And the more that I welcome home those hurt, terrified, you know, um, you could even say sometimes distorted parts, the more that I welcome them all home and let them know that they're all lovable, the more that I'm able to show up and see other people when they're operating from those unintegrated parts and just have compassion, not be in judgment and be humble so that I can, you know, because a huge part of leadership is humility. And I learned a lot about that um, in healing school. It's very, very humbling to systematically one by one, you know, look at all of your shadow material and all of your unconscious parts and unconscious patterns. So very humbling. It takes a lot of courage and ultimately extremely rewarding, especially if our guidance is asking us to be on a path of leadership in this lifetime. Mm, it's liberating because that said, mm-hmm. it's always within you. Those pieces, those fragments were always there, but then giving it the space to be seen and acknowledged and then loved, yeah. it dissolves. Wow. Yeah. It's like, it's like it does, it dissolves back into the embrace into the of embrace. the loving embrace of the inner, inner loving parents, like the integrated masculine and feminine balanced inner parent. It just does. Those parts can dissolve back into the loving embrace. And the more I'm able to do that for myself, the more I'm able again to show up in humility when there's people around, you know, in different contexts in my life and work environment or community environment. And I see a person is navigating from a part in that a part of themselves. That's not their, integrated self, just having humility and having compassion. And that's been so, so key. Um, and having compassion, you know, having compassion for myself and, uh, yeah, really, really letting the inner critic, you know, take a vacation, (laughs) (laughs) reprogramming the subconscious mind. I love affirmations. Like affirmations have been huge medicine for me because the inner critic gets to just sort of like rest rest for a while when we listen to affirmations that really resonate and really lift our, our consciousness. And yeah. Can you offer our listeners an affirmation that comes through you right now? So in terms of affirmations that I love, I mean, if you want to, if you want to listen to some affirmations that recordings that I've made, I can share a little bit more about how to do that later. But one other thing that I'd love to leave the readers with is a practice that I highly recommend. And it's been incredibly helpful for me in my path. 
And that is a practice where you connect with the wisdom of your soul. Mm -hmm. I actually learned this practice from a, a woman named Megan Watterson, whom I adore. And you basically take a red pen and a black pen and you take a journal and with the black pen, you write out any of your fears or anything you feel confused about or anything you, you just feel like you don't have the answer, you don't know what to do, or it's upsetting you or triggering you. So with the black pen, you write it all out and don't censor it, just brain dump it all out onto the page so that it fully gets heard and just get it all out there. And um, once you're done that, just take a couple moments and center yourself, just bring yourself back into your center and then pick up the red pen and then invoke the voice and the guidance of your soul, the highest wisdom that you have access to. And then ask your soul, what do I most need to know right now? What's the next step? You may not be able to get answers for five years from now, but you will receive guidance on the next step. So just knowing that you have access to such wisdom inside of yourself, picking up the red pen and just giving yourself counsel, giving yourself nourishing, kind, benevolent guidance on what you most need to know and how to remember to treat yourself with kindness and what is the next step on your path and how to navigate whatever particular challenging situation may be arising in that moment. And really sit with that. Whatever you write in the, your red pen, that's golden for you. And I've seen it time and time again that a couple of weeks later, you look back to that page with all the red, beautiful writing on it. And it's, it's so accurate. Like, mm. wow, that was actually exactly what I needed to hear. I actually do have access to such wisdom. So I wanted to offer that because if I didn't have that practice, that's been one of actually one of my main practices in this, in this lifetime that has helped me to step into the sovereignty and into my really cultivate my own relationship with my soul and with the divine and with my guidance. For some people listening, this might all be very new to them. So what would be something that you would recommend for somebody who is listening to this incredible story and your life mm. and just hearing a little voice within them sort of whispering and being curious but not knowing where to go and where to navigate. Is there any other practices that you would suggest? One thing that I used to do a lot when I was you know, having a challenging time getting in touch with my inner guidance or my wisdom or finding an answer, one thing that I would do was I would take at least half a day and go out into the forest, somewhere quiet, go out into the forest alone and maybe pack a lunch. And I would just go and really ask my guidance, speak to me, just speak to me all day, make a prayer, and then just go and walk, you know, go on a, a long walk where I could just kind of like a moving meditation where I could just listen and listen for hours at a time. And then, you know, if I was hiking up a mountain, some point halfway through the day, I would just stop and eat some food and, and take a little break and then just, but to do it in solitude and give your, basically give your soul the opportunity to communicate all the things that, that it's been waiting to tell you once it had enough space mm -hmm. to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. So that's been a practice that, that was really, really helpful for me in really getting clear when I felt like I didn't have the answer the truth was that my soul always had guidance for me every single time. It was just that there was too much busyness around and I couldn't hear what my soul had to say. Mm, that's beautiful. You are an amazing copywriter. You have a gift for putting language to energy. I'm curious, what are your, your three favorite words and why? 
<laughs> That's a great question. I love the word emergent. Emergent. Because I love the word emergent because emergent means things that are emerging, things that are coming forth, like things that are evolving, things that are new. And I love living my life on the vanguard of consciousness evolution. Like mm. how are the ways that we can really thrive on this planet? How are the ways that we can really live a vibrant thriving, fulfilled life that is beautiful and joyful for ourselves and also of benefit to others. Mm -hmm. So I, lo I love the word, word emergent. I use the word emergent a lot. Like, let's see what wants to emerge. I like mm -hmm. talking about emergent, emergent and emerging. And I like the word exquisite a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much exquisiteness on this planet. And I, I know that there's so much exquisiteness on this planet. And I love just honoring the beauty on this planet with that word exquisite. I, I like E words. And I would say that I really like the word evolution too. <laughs> you do like E words. <laughs> they're, they're, these are all fantastic words. And there's sort of a theme to them too. I just love how as, you know, how humanity is evolving and we are remembering and we are you know, we're evolving and remembering how to how to come home to ourselves in this particular time, this particular day and age. You know, in 2020, we are remembering uh, how to walk each other home. And we're evolving into uh, a way of being and a way of interacting with one another that can really create an environment here on this planet that feels like heaven on earth, evolving beyond these patterns of going into war. Um, evolution is, is something that I'm dedicated to and, uh, you know, helping to heal our ancestral imprinting around fear, scarcity, violence, and, um, domination and evolving into, uh, to a more natural state of peace, harmony, self-care, respect for one another and equality. So um, that's where that's what comes up for me when I think about evolution. You've been sort of on the landscape of um, spirituality and this movement for a long time. What do you yeah. see coming right now with where we are? Um, I see a lot of beauty. I see really, really good things. I feel extremely optimistic in a very informed and and grounded way. I feel extremely optimistic for where we are going in how we are evolving on this planet and our ability to create harmony and our ability to create sustainability and our ability to, to, you know, heal our ancestral patterning and create harmony inside of ourselves and in our communities and on the planet. I feel, I feel really, really inspired to show up as part of the solution yeah. and to keep doing my work and to keep, uh, you know, integrating any of the parts of myself um, that may have been unseen or unloved or have, you know, fragmented off in the past and just bringing them all back home. I also wanted to share one other piece. And that is, remember, I told you that I, um, I was on the quest when I had my spiritual awakening in 2006. I was on the quest, because I knew from my studies that there had been saints and sages and wisdom keepers on the planet in all cultures throughout history. Mm -hmm. There's always been sages and wisdom keepers on this planet. Mm -hmm. So I was so curious, where are they now? Why is no one really talking about them? And can I, can I study and meet with them? And so I had an incredibly unexpected discovery. 
after so many years on my pilgrimage, you know, sleeping outside and visiting sages and visiting shamans and little did I know, but honestly, I can tell you like from the depth of my experience that the wisdom keepers that I have met and that I have been so inspired by how they're living their lives and how they're doing their lives and how they are thriving and how they are just so devoted to the inner work and to, and to showing up and to, um, yeah, to sharing their gifts and doing anything that it takes to be a true expression of their essence in, in form in this world. And those people are actually, they are heart-guided entrepreneurs of our time. Mm. And I had no idea that that was who I was going to who I was going to be like, these are actually the people that I'm called to learn and grow and walk this path alongside. You know, the, the wisdom keepers of our time are not necessarily tucked away uh, in the mountains in, or in, in the, the mountains, in a cave. You know, and yeah. some sometimes they are. Yeah. Sometimes they are, but my experience is that those same amazing beings eventually get extremely loud knock on the door to come back into society and share their gifts. And I've seen it time and time again. So those are the, those are the wisdom keepers that I'm really, really excited and honored and grateful to get to do life with in this lifetime. So I have found what I've been looking for. Well, you know, I, and for the reflection mm -hmm. too, I have to say that I feel like I'm, I'm looking at one and I'm speaking to to her as well. It, honestly, like this is one of the most incredible conversations. Your story is a movie. It's like it's like a literally, <laughs> literally like I where who gets the movie rights, Parma? You've got this is incredible. It's the modern day mystic. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, love. And everything that you see in me is exactly all the you know everything that's all the beauty that's inside of you. And it's really such an honor to be here with you. This is. It's truly a privilege. It's one of the greatest privileges in this world to share our story and to be seen for who we truly are on a soul level. And that's what I help people do myself. Now the work that I do in the world is helping people to birth their legacy and helping people to step into their greater purpose. And I do that through, uh, through copywriting and through entrepreneurial, uh, you know, business coaching and through marketing and through, you know, through, through visibility and all of these things. So my job now is, is helping visionary entrepreneurs and change makers to really bring forth their true gifts and their legacy in this world. So it's not at all what I expected I was going to be doing, especially when I was like in the ashrams, shaven head, celibate, like just, you know, like meditating for hours and hours every day. I didn't think that this was what I was going to end up. Um, this is where my path was taking me, yeah. but this is giving me great joy and helping people, you know, bring forth an entire body of work that ends up helping make our planet a much more beautiful place. Mm -hmm. So you're helping all of those the conscious entrepreneurs do uh -huh. it, get out there and do it and, and creating that change. So I'm completely inspired. If, um, if anybody wants to find you to reach out to work with you or mm -hmm. where can they do that? Um, they can find me on my website at okay. premagaya.com. Okay. It's P-R-E-M-A-G-A-I-A.com. Okay. And also one thing that I wanted to share is I make these guided meditations and guided affirmations. And that's something that has been really, really helpful for me and really supportive in repatterning the subconscious mind so that we can, you know, keep our, keep ourselves positive and keep ourselves inspired 
And, you know, like I said before, like let the inner critic, like take a vacation and just like really infuse ourselves with positive messaging that helps us to, to keep, you know, to keep our spirits lifted as we are taking steps on, on the path of our Dharma and doing our sacred work. So one of the things that I wanted to share is I feel inspired to offer to your list listeners. I have a, a bundle of meditations and affirmations. There's four of them in there. And I would be, I would love to gift the first 20 of your listeners who reach out to me on my website, premagaya.com. You can send me, a, there's, a, there's a, a contact form on there and you can send me um, a message to say guided affirmations. And I'd love to gift your listeners a copy of them so they can receive them. It's such an honor. I have, I have, um, I've been getting feedback from people all over the world on these affirmations, like as far away as like, um, gosh, I don't know, all these countries that I'm like, wow, like Czechia and like <laughs> Poland and um, Brazil and Sweden. And I'm getting feedback from all these people. It's like the most, it's the hugest honor, honestly, that people are so touched by them. So I'd be really excited to also share them with your listeners as well. So, so this is you right now. If you're listening, get on there right now, send your contact info, and you are going to get these four beautifully guided affirmations as a gift. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. This was an absolute honor. Thank you so much for having me, love. This was really, uh, the honor has been all mine and it's been such a joy to be with you today and to get an opportunity to also share my heart with your listeners. And I, and I hope that whoever's listening, yeah, just really hope that there was some pieces in this interview that may have spoken to you or been a benefit to you on your path, wherever you are at this time. And there you go. What did you guys think? Isn't her journey just amazing? I'm personally so inspired by her path and her devotion to service. So if you happen to be one of those heartfelt entrepreneurs that are looking for someone to help you get your message written and out to the world, don't hesitate and reach out to her. I'll include all of Prema's contact details in the show notes. I wanted to take a second to acknowledge you and say thank you so much for tuning in, for giving yourself the gift of this time to learn and grow from another woman's story. It's so powerful and we can all learn and teach each other so much. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be extremely grateful if you could take a quick minute to go to iTunes or Apple Podcast and leave us a little review because it means a lot to hear what you guys think. And to be completely honest, the more ratings you get, the more the podcast is going to show. And it's going to really, really help us with spreading our message of love and light and encouraging women to show up as their beautiful selves exactly as they are and to embrace life's journey for whatever it is exactly as it is. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for your continuous support. You have no idea how much it means to me. Next week, we have another incredible guest lined up so in case you haven't already go subscribe to the channel and until then keep being you be beautiful